Welcome to Video Vices with Contemporary Research. Listen in monthly as we talk integration, innovation, and industry with leaders across AV. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Video Vices, a contemporary research podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So as content continues to reign in our venues, from stadiums to hotels, video distribution infrastructure becomes more and more necessary, obviously. Unfortunately, though, mastering that infrastructure is harder than it sounds, especially when AV over IP products are proprietary and don't integrate easily into new systems. Today, we're breaking down the various applications for video distribution, as well as hopefully clear up some of the misconceptions about what works, what works best, when it works, and why provider agnostic solutions tend to win out. Here to give their insights are contemporary researchers Paul Briggs, AV Product Support Manager, and Christian Ross, Sales Operations Coordinator. Paul, Christian, great to have you both on. How are you doing? Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So before we get into the conversation of video distribution itself and the intricacies of video distribution networks, I feel like we need to talk about what's driving the need for this in the first place. And I feel like across the board, whether we're talking... Uh, Pro-AV professionals and conversations I've had with them, or whether it's some conversations I've had with retail professionals and sports and venue owners, everything I'm hearing is that across the board, content is really king, and consumers are demanding more and more of it, as are clients that are seeking, for example, contemporary research's services. So are y'all feeling that trend as well, this kind of content is king trend? And if so, how are you seeing it represented in different venues and industries and to what extent you know absolutely uh we really believe that content is king and the consumers across the board whether it be uh, airports dentist office professional sporting arenas uh, they're really expecting an enhanced media experience yeah and i think we're even seeing video content um showing up in places that it didn't you know really used to be like i you know i was pumping gas the other day and i went in the convenience store and they had video displays running everywhere with music videos gone. And then, you know, I didn't even talk to hmm. talk some of our customers that are in kind of unusual facilities. Like, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day that um, services a, a bingo parlor up in Canada. So yeah, video showing up everywhere. Yeah. You know, it, I think it's just representative of a larger trend uh, towards that experience economy, right? The fact that an experience economy is pushing for more content. People are needing a more focused reason to get up off their couch and actually go somewhere. Um, the convenience of a store has kind of been replaced by the convenience of e-commerce. And so at least from a retail perspective or a hospitality perspective, even getting people to come to your venue to interact with the people at your venue uh, to, you know, just spend their time not in the comfort of their own smart home. It's going to take something exciting, something. Yeah, it certainly helps. It certainly helps. Yeah. Um, keep people staying in your facility. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> occupied so that they don't leave as quickly. And I feel like now it's it's not even just a necessity for content in general, right? Like I think people are used to seeing that content in these places now I feel like the content is needing to evolve. Uh, would you all say the content is needing to be more robust or immersive? Uh, and if so, is that affecting the infrastructure needs at all? 
Oh, absolutely. And because it's be, you know, because the content is needing to be more immersive and robust, uh, it's even more important that the, del- that the delivery method of that content is reliable. Yeah, it seems like, uh, yeah, consumers are kind of expecting that um, information, video information to be everywhere. I can give an example, I guess, on how this is being used. I know um, I've talked to um, some contractors that use our equipment at, at football stadiums in the private suites. And um, so there'll be course displays all around the suites. And um, so they'll have a choice of, you know, the, the people in the suites can either watch, you know, live footage from cameras on the field or they'll have, um, you know, satellite or cable channels going on some of the TVs so they can view other games, you know, that are going on. Um, this is like a college, you know, football environment. Um, and so that there's there's always something to watch if you're in the private suites, whether it's what's going on locally or, um, you know, what's going on you know, at other games. All right. So when we talk about video distribution in general, what's the aspect that venue operators or business owners are having to concern themselves with? You know, what what is it that actually impacts their day to day that they have to figure out when they're putting together a solid video distribution network? Yeah, I think the major factors are going to be um, ease of use because obviously the venue operator is going to be the one using it every day. They need something that, you know, that's going to work for them. So reliability is an issue. And then, of course, cost, you know, when they're having the system installed, um, there's some, you know, factors that can uh, determine, um, you know, the cost. And so the operators have to work with their integrators to figure out um, what's going to be the best solution that's going to fit the budget. And then what would you all say is the typical size of a modern video network and how many screens and deliverables are operators and owners managing? And I know it must differ from venue to venue and industry to industry, but what are some general standards you're seeing? Um, Maybe give some examples per industry. Absolutely. You know, the size really ranges uh, from industry to industry or venue to venue. Uh, you could have anything from a few TVs in a dentist office that would just have a few channels of content, uh, or you could have a sports bar with uh, a dozen channels. You could have 40 to 50 TVs all the way up to college or pro sporting stadiums. They could have up to 100 or more channels and thousands of TVs all throughout their uh, their stadiums. Any other examples there? Absolutely. I mean, retail, uh, hospitality, it's, it's all kind of the same. It, it really just depends on uh, what content they're wanting to move and how much of it um, uh, really across the board that is um, what we're seeing with video distribution, whether it be RF or IP. And then what would you all say are the typical challenges that these uh, venue operators and business owners run into when they're deploying a video distribution network? You know, it really just depends whether it's IP or an RF system. Yeah, I think we're, it kind of gets back to... Um, you know, it's important to work with for the owner of the facility to work with an integrator that um, can help identify potential issues and, you know, work on solutions to get around it um, so that the system still performs the way the owner or the operators, you know, is going to want it to perform. And then what about when it's time to modify or upgrade that infrastructure? Are there any extra challenges that arise? The only thing I'm thinking, I know that for the RF-based systems, those are pretty easy to expand. It may involve just adding some amplifiers and running some more coax cable. Um, now, for the IPTV solutions, um, there's a little more effort involved. You're going to have to get um, typically IT department involved to add additional routers and switches to be able to you know, create more endpoints, basically. Um, for the decoders and good record record keeping is important. 
um, so that you know what you're working with when you're going to expand it. Uh, you know, and, and that's one thing just to, to talk about CR that makes us um, a little bit different is that we create a lot of products that help to future proof that system. Um, we're definitely known for our support. We're here eight to five. Uh, Monday through Friday, we offer free updates to help keep the systems current, running efficiently. Um, there can definitely be issues when you're upgrading or modifying uh, the system within the infrastructure. Uh, and so we try to do everything possible that we can to uh, to help eliminate those issues. What about on the software side? Is there anything that has to change there that creates any pain points for uh for these business owners and venue operators yeah that's a good question um typically um i guess it depends on on how uh, the system's going to be controlled a lot of times it's just maybe changing uh, like if it's a third-party control system it's you know adding more users adding more endpoints and, and that's kind of the same for rf and iptv i know we we also have a control product product that's um and it's pretty easy to expand you just have to go into the configuration and add your additional endpoints um, and then you're pretty much good to go. So I know right now the standard is for most people to distribute their video over IP, um, but I know that's not the only way to do so. RF still exists. Um, so has the technology, and when I say technology, I mean IP technology, has it become a one-size-fits-all yet? Is it the standard, or is there still a case to be made for RF? Well, I don't see that there's a one-size-fits-all um, when it comes to IP TV, there's actually, IPTV can really be broken down into kind of three three main types. There's the, the real-time um, high bandwidth um, that's used by like broadcasters and like event producers. Um, and then there's kind of the low bandwidth, lots of channels that's used for um, like entertainment venues where you're, you know, distributing like cable television content or satellite television content. Um, and then there's also... Um, an in-between that's kind of lightly compressed and has a little bit of a, a delay. And that, that can sometimes be suitable for, for live productions or, you know, or large events. Um, and then RF still really um, has its advantages in that um, it's pretty easy to distribute and you don't really need a dedicated decoder at the display. You just, you know, plug into the antenna and put on your TV and then scan for channels and you're good to go. Well, regardless on if it's IP or RF-based, uh, what should operators and owners be looking for in their video distribution system? What kind of specs, software agnostic capabilities, general flexible uses? You know, what is really the core basics that you recommend that an operator and owner should be looking for? Well, I think we're back to reliability and ease of use. Um, I suppose there's some advantages to the products that we offer. Um, we do offer a, uh, our own uh, control application system that can be used, or our products can be um, used with third-party um, control systems. Um, and another thing I forgot to mention on our IPTV products, um, we use the MPEG-2 or H.264 standard, and that's compatible with a lot of other manufacturers' products as well. So maybe our, you know, if you could use our product when you're expanding somebody else's system or you know, kind of vice versa. And then lastly, to kind of look into the crystal ball a little bit, is intelligent technology like AI or machine learning playing any part in making these systems more efficient? And do you see that technology driving video distribution forward in the future? Well, I know AI is um, being used in um, some collaboration spaces. Um, I've seen instances of um, smart um, digital signage using AI to kind of help target the content um, to the person that they 
the AI thinks is viewing it. And I've um, read about the AI um, being used in um, broadcast industry to kind of help make their um, network transfer of data more efficient. Um, and, I, and I think, yeah, that's going to be a big part of the future. I think, though, um, there needs to be some improvement. I, I mean, I think there's some ways to go. I, the, for the AI to work correctly, the, the data collection has got to really be accurate. Um, I know I struggle sometimes when I use my Waze app and it tells me I'm on a street that I'm really not on and it kind of frustrates me. <laughs> or maybe so, you're on that street right. and you just don't realize <laughs> right. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so who's so, wrong? But right? I think we're right. heading there. I think it's inevitable that, uh, and, and, and of course, you know, the cost is going to have to come down to make it, you know, more affordable for, um, for more people. All right. Well, Paul, Christian, thank you both so much for joining us on Video Vices today, giving us some thoughts on video distribution, how the infrastructures are changing, and maybe what the future of it might look like. So thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure getting to chat. Thank All right. you. Thanks, thanks Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Video Vices. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to contemporaryresearch.com slash tag slash video dash vices. You can also find our content on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.